This is the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess, and we are reminiscing our way into episode number 26. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast, the tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hi, this is Kristen from naturalbirthandbabycare.com, and I am here with this week's episode of the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast, which is episode 26. I still find that hard to believe. I wanted to start off this episode today by letting you know a little bit of the news that's going on in the birth and baby world. There's just been so much going on, and I I should have made notes of everything that I wanted to talk about because I kept thinking, oh, I read this and I need to share this on the podcast, and then, oh, I read that and I need to share that on the podcast, and then I sat down to get everything together for the podcast and couldn't remember everything because there's just been so much going on. For In the future, I will go ahead and write everything down, but today I'm just hoping that I can remember things. One of the things that I wanted to share with you is there's a new study that's come out that shows that moms who have sleep apnea are more likely to have babies prematurely and more likely to have babies of low birth weight. I'll link to the study for you so that you can read it for yourself. But I just want you to be aware, this is a problem, sleep apnea is a problem that is more likely to occur in a mom who is obese, but some moms, even who aren't overweight, may have trouble with it too. And it's really something that if you're having a lot of trouble sleeping, you may want to ask your doctor to evaluate, especially if you're waking up over and over again, your body might be literally trying to wake itself up to start breathing again. That's what sleep apnea is if you're not aware of it. It's where you actually stop breathing multiple times in the night. It's pretty scary to think about. And it can be treated with something, uh, there's a machine called a CPAP machine, which is totally medication-free. It's just a mask that you wear at night, and it essentially forces your airways to stay open. So sleep apnea is something that can be treated, and there's definitely an impact on the baby's growth and possibly higher C-section rate for moms who have sleep apnea. So it's, it's something that you want to get have a have somebody take a look at maybe that's a good way to phrase it if you think that that's a problem another thing that I wanted to talk to you about is I I'll do an entire podcast episode on ultrasound safety or uh, ultrasound risks at another point but I want to point out to you something uh, involving using an ultrasound to check and see if you've miscarried or not. Or even, I the sad thing, the news story that brought this about, which I'm going to link to that in the show notes as well, is sad because I think that these moms were just having a routine ultrasound at the beginning of their pregnancy just to see the baby or for maybe dating or, but it was just routine. It wasn't, I, it wasn't because they suspected a miscarriage. But at this one particular hospital, there were lots of moms who were told that they had miscarried their baby when in reality their baby was probably fine. And this was found out because luckily one mom asked for a second opinion. And the procedures and the ultrasound procedures that were used to evaluate these moms for if there were they had had a miscarriage or not, were off. They were missing babies who were just small, 
whom they couldn't see anything. And it's just really scary. And it's, it's really devastating to think about that, that you might, your doctor or your midwife might advise something like a DNC for a missed miscarriage when you don't want, or, or when the baby was actually alive. I mean, that's, that's pretty devastating. So my reason for sharing this story is to encourage you, first of all, to consider just skipping the scans. And like I said, we'll talk about that on another podcast episode. Secondly, to encourage you to ask for a second opinion. And I've actually had stories submitted to me on natural birth and baby care. One I can remember vividly where the mom just felt like something was wrong and her doctor or her midwife had advised a DNC and she went in for the procedure, but something just fell off and she absolutely insisted that an ultrasound be done before she would consent to anesthesia for the procedure. And sure enough, there was a healthy little heart beating in there and she had a healthy little baby a few months later. So just insist on a second opinion. I shared this story on Natural Birth and Baby Care's Facebook page, and I encourage you to to head on over to the Facebook page and join the fun there because that is a really active bunch of gals over there, and we have a lot of fun. So it's just facebook.com slash naturalbirthandbabycare. Again, facebook.com slash naturalbirthandbabycare. And I'll put that in the show notes too. But I posted this story, and so many of the moms were commenting on it, and several moms also commented that they that they felt like miscarriage should be allowed to happen naturally. And one of the moms really shared in detail about how she felt it was healing to wait for that natural process and for her body to take care of things naturally. And she felt like that was instrumental in not just her physical healing, but also her emotional healing from loss. So I, I just wanted to share those couple of stories. I think there were some more, but I can't remember them. I'll have to write them down and share them with you on the next podcast episode. Uh, but there's just there's so much going on, so much research being released right now, so many interesting things, and I'll keep you up to date on all of those things. Oh, there, and there, there's so much I want to talk to you about, but I'm going to go ahead and move on to the topic for today and try and restrain myself from topics for another day until another day. What I wanted to talk about today is this week, actually on the Facebook page and on Pinterest and on the blog, everywhere, we're celebrating Birth Story Week at naturalbirthandbabycare.com this week. The birth story pages have all been updated to the new template. The main birth story page has been really cleaned up. It's been neatly organized, so you can quickly and easily find any birth story that you want to get to. And I thought that in honor of Birth Story Week this week, I thought that I would read my birth stories or maybe as many of my birth stories as I can fit into a half an hour for you to enjoy because I sit here and talk about birth a whole lot and sure I've done my study and I've taught other moms but a big part of my knowledge about birth and my interest in birth comes from my own experiences. So I thought that I would read the birth stories of my babies for you and I will begin with the birth story of my oldest who is Cassidy. Cassidy's Home Birth by Kristen in the United States. Where should this story begin, the story of my first child's birth? Should it start years ago during an amazing summer when I met the man and fell in love? Or should I begin later, after a torturous summer and endless winter, when I learned what it is to forgive, to be forgiven, and what unconditional love really is? Maybe I should start many months ago in a tiny room in a big desert city where this child of mine was conceived. 
but I think I will start a few weeks ago in a tiny home in a small southern city, the day my labor began. It was unseasonably warm, hot almost, to be December 4th. I woke nine days past my due date and went to check my email. I felt the familiar Braxton Hicks contractions, but they had a different sensation to them, an almost crampy feel. I thought, could this be it? Should I call Charlie? Should I get Curtis home from work? I decided not to. I played on the computer a little longer and had a snack. Curtis called to check on me and I didn't say anything. I didn't want him to get excited if it was nothing. I did my daily yoga and felt the difference between that day and other days. As I listened to my relaxation tape, I was sure something was happening. Around 2 o'clock, I went to the bathroom and found some pink-tinged mucus on the tissue when I wiped. I decided to call Charlie. I told her excitedly what had happened, that I thought I was about to have a baby. She told me to keep her informed, but not to call anyone else. I spent the afternoon fluttering around the house, feeling very excited. I tried to play a computer game, but my attention kept wandering. I was so excited. Curtis called to see if I would mind him staying late to talk with a buddy from work. I told him I thought that something was finally happening, and he assured me he was on his way home. When he got here, we were both a bit nervous, and I got fussed at for not telling him what was happening the first time he called. We had tuna salad sandwiches and spinach salad for dinner. And then he read me two stories from Neil Gaiman's Smoke and Mirrors collection. It was surreal almost, and the excitement and anticipation hung thickly around us. Charlie called around 9.30 and asked me to time contractions for her. I used a little contraction timer utility on my Palm Pilot. They were five to six minutes apart and about 50 seconds long. I called Charlie back and she told me to go to bed and sleep until I couldn't sleep anymore. I decided to follow her advice since throughout my pregnancy she told me repeatedly to go to sleep in early labor if I could. I slept, but lightly, from around 10.30 until 12.30, Then I couldn't sleep any more, mainly from the emotions that were bouncing around in me. The contractions had an edge by then, but I could still handle them alone. I went to sit on the toilet and my body proceeded to flush itself out to make room for the baby's imminent descent. I decided the toilet felt nice and I camped out there until about two. By then the contractions were starting to bite. I called Charlie back and she told me that she was on her way and was sending Alex, her apprentice, over. Alex lives in our town, so she was only a short drive. Curtis was engrossed in a computer game and hadn't slept while I did, which he really regretted later. After getting off the phone with Charlie, I went to sit down, and I told him I needed him. He sat on the couch with me, holding my hand as I took deep, relaxing breaths. The next little while jumbles together in my mind. When Alex arrived, I moved to the bedroom, which was lit by one little lamp and was quite cozy. We stayed in the bedroom until Charlie arrived around 4.30, followed shortly by Lisa, another assistant and a doula in training. We decided to continue to work in the bedroom, and I was able to breathe quietly through the contractions and smile as I listened to the women out front. Charlie went over equipment and supplies with them, but their occasional giggles reminded me of a slumber party. When I emerged from the bedroom to go to the bathroom, Charlie suggested that I take a shower. I didn't right away, but after a bit, I decided it would be nice. As I squatted and let the hot water hit my back, the contractions started coming harder. One hit, and I could only clutch Curtis's hand as I sank down to my knees. 
As the contraction passed, we heard a loud popping noise and the lights flickered off and back on, followed by surprised cries from out front. I had to deal with the next contraction alone because of that. As I finished it and blew it away, never to return, everyone came in and told me they had tried to use the bad eye on the stove. I grinned, trying to imagine their faces, and they got the breaker box fixed up to get the stove working again. When the water got cold, far too quickly, I got out of the tub. Any sense of time left me after this point, and I began to vocalize with each rush, letting my voice help me relax. Charlie estimated active labor by when I started to moan through each contraction, which she later told me was about six in the morning. Curtis kept telling me what a good job I was doing and how amazing I was. It helped me so much. I headed back to the bedroom after my shower and labored lying on my left side. I realize now that it is the position I was always in as I listened to my relaxation tape during pregnancy, a comfortable position I'd trained my body to relax in. Wow, another one of those amazing things. Charlie asked to check my dilation to see if I should consider walking around. I was 7 centimeters when she checked, the one and only time she did. After laboring in the bed for a long time, I went back to the bathroom and again found the toilet to be a comfortable place to labor. Alex and Lisa brought me toast and a scrambled egg, and I was able to nibble on the toast and sip some apple juice, but the egg went uneaten. I was starting to feel a little queasy, and though I never felt full-blown nausea, this was probably transition. Charlie asked me to get back into the shower to help move along some and because it would comfort me. I stood that time warm water running over me, and I held on to Curtis each time a contraction came. I knew his sweater must be getting very wet, and somehow I focused on that thought while I was in the shower. Strange what I picked to focus on. The water got cold again, and again it was too fast. We moved out of the shower and across our tiny house slowly. We were in the kitchen, and I had to stop for a contraction. Standing made it so intense, so hard to stay on top of. Charlie wanted me to continue to stand, but I needed to be lying or squatting. Finally, we made it back to the bedroom. I labored on my side again, bearing my head into the bed. I labored some in a supported squat as well, and at one point I draped across the birth ball. I continued to labor in bed, favoring my side the most. At one point, there were hands all over me, rubbing my legs and feet. It felt like my entire body was being massaged. It was so wonderful. It was then that I was glad to be surrounded by women, women who seemed so wise to me. After what seemed like ceaseless contractions, I began to wish the baby would hurry, but my beautifully stubborn child seemed to need some time and help moving through the birth canal. Charlie asked me to push. It was hard work pushing for my baby, and a couple of times I thought I couldn't do it. The one time I said it, Charlie told me that I was doing it. I was pushing, almost oblivious to the world, when I heard another popping sound. Alex, who was sitting on the birth ball, had just caused it to explode. Everyone was laughing. Even I found it funny. But it wasn't until after the birth that I truly laughed. Then I was working with my baby, and that took my attention. I continued to push, and a few minutes later I heard the third popping sound of the day, accompanied by a gushing feeling. My water bag exploded and sprayed Charlie in a jet stream of baby fluids. Again, there was laughter and comments that I would not be outdone by an exploding birth ball. 
I smiled too, but mainly enjoyed the slight relief of pressure. The pushing was blending together. It felt like an eternity. I was hot, and I was tired. My body started pushing on its own. That awesome power scared me. My body was bearing down on its own. It was like I was rushing along in a river and couldn't stop. Lisa held a feather, and I blew on it to help slow the pushing and let the baby come gradually. It was my focus, and it helped so much. I wanted the baby out. I was tired. Infinity had passed me by. At one point, the baby's heart rate dropped and stayed down through a couple of heart rate checks. Charlie and Alex helped me move to all fours. The heart rate quickly spread back, sped back up, and after a few contractions, I moved to a supported semi-squat on the bed. Alex held up a mirror, and I saw the baby's head begin to crown, a dark, wrinkled spot emerging from inside me. I felt my baby's head, soft, moist. I was awed. I wanted to meet my child. Charlie suggested standing to help the baby move down more. I hesitated because I feared the pain, but I wanted to meet my lamb. I decided to stand. Charlie told me to hang on to Curtis and let all my strength be in helping my baby. I did this. Time began to speed up. Like a waterfall, my baby began to rush down the birth canal. The head crowned fully and I screamed my child's head out of me. I felt the fires of this soul burning into the world. Charlie told me to breathe, relax. The cord was around the baby's neck. I dropped all my weight, leaning. I let all tension go, took deep breaths for my baby. Then it was time to push again, and my baby's body rushed out. I was empty. For an instant, I was empty. Then I was stepping over the umbilical cord, and Charlie was handing me the baby. I was full. Somehow we got to the bed. I was on the edge, my bottom hanging over. I clutched my beautiful baby. Charlie asked for a syringe of Pitocin. I knew from our prenatals that this is to help stop the gushing blood. Alex worked my nipples to help, and Charlie gave me a shot in the thigh I hardly felt. I was looking at the baby, and at Curtis, who was standing behind Charlie, looking bewildered. Then suddenly he was behind me, and we looked at our baby together. We saw that our baby was a girl child. Then Charlie was helping me get her latched on. I felt as my baby... I felt as my baby sucked, and again I was in awe. The little creature at my breast amazed me. She was radiant. A minute or so later, I got a heavy contraction, and Curtis called Charlie, who had gone out front. She came in, and I told her it was a big contraction, so she had me push. The placenta gushed out of me, a strange feeling. Charlie helped Curtis cut the cord after it stopped pulsing, then she left us alone with our daughter. I had already decided to name a girl Cassidy. That afternoon was somewhat a blur. I slept, and Cassidy slept, and I think Curtis slept too. Charlie, Alex, and Lisa did the newborn check and found Cassidy to be 7 pounds, 14 ounces, a big girl. I got cleaned up at some point. The room was cleaned up too. Lisa and Alex worked on that as Charlie fed me another tuna sandwich and a horrid-tasting drink. It was to help restore my energy and supposedly flavored like tangerines, but I still don't believe that. Suddenly, several hours had passed, the house was clean, I was fed, and we were left alone with our new baby daughter. Wow, how amazing she was. We spent some time just being alone, then called my parents to come see their first grandbaby. 
They came to see her, but only stayed a short while, and then we were alone again, and we fell asleep together in our warm bed. So that was Cassidy's story, and when I read it, it's just... I learned so much from her birth, and it was it was a really, really wonderful birth, and I just... When I think back to her birth and then think forward through all my births, I look at how I evolved as a mother and a baby haver. And But one of the things I appreciate so much is how much each baby has to teach us and how much we learn during their pregnancy and birth. And I often think back on pregnancy with Cassidy and her birth because they just they changed me so fundamentally and helped shape me as the person I am now. So they were just wonderful. I'll go ahead and read Asher's birth now. I think Cassidy's birth was wonderful for me because it was my first baby, and the first birth, as Sarah Buckley says, defines so much of what your coming birth experiences will be like, which is also why Sarah Buckley says that it's worth spending time and research and money on making sure the first birth is a good experience. But but Cassidy's birth really showed me that I could do it, and it taught me a lot of wisdom, and it connected me with a lot of resources. Just showed me that natural birth was possible, even when I doubted myself, and showed me the beauty of working with my baby, as you could hear in my story, which might have had some overly flowery and dramatic language, but hey, it was my first story, and it's still beautiful to me. Uh, But then Asher's birth story, and Asher's birth really taught me my own strength and what I could draw upon from within myself in a powerful way. So I'll read his story now. Asher's birth. Your birth was unexpected. I tried and tried and tried talking to you to convince you to come early. I thought you'd be late like your older sister. But you did decide to come early. You took me by surprise. Friday morning I woke up, went to the bathroom, and found what I thought was a little bit of bloody show. I called Charlie, our midwife, She said to rest and to expect labor within 48 hours. I called my friend Tracy after a couple of hours of convincing myself I had been seeing things in the bathroom. She offered to come take Cassidy and me out to window shop that afternoon to help get my mind off of everything. We had a good afternoon, and we went to dinner at a little restaurant called The Grotto. I had black bean soup and lasagna, but I couldn't eat much of the lasagna because the soup was so filling. It's a good thing it was, because I needed the energy. After getting home, Tracy stayed for a little while so that I could take a nice relaxing bath as Cassidy slept. Once I got out and Tracy left, I sat down to write a letter. I felt very sleepy, so I decided to finish in the morning. When I got in bed, though, I couldn't sleep. I was so restless, I wondered, When were you coming? I had only been lying down a little while when I felt a huge gush. My water had broken. My heart began to race as I went to the bathroom to retrieve a towel. I got fresh underwear and then realized that was pointless because I was still gushing water every few seconds. I called Charlie and she told me to call her back when contractions started. I called Tracy, even though she just left, because I was suddenly very scared to be alone. She headed right back. Ten minutes after calling, Charlie and I, Charlie, the first time, I began having strong contractions. They came on without warning. I called Charlie back, and she said she was on her way and sending Alex, her apprentice, over. I felt so much better knowing that three people were on their way, and that two would be there within the next thirty minutes. 
Tracy got back and Alex arrived. I was laying back in the recliner, breathing through the contractions with a towel under me and a blanket over me. Every once in a while, I got up to go to the bathroom. Lisa, who by this time was a midwifery apprentice, and Charlie arrived within about an hour of each other, and I went to bed when someone suggested that I try and sleep. I ended up dozing a little, but couldn't really sleep. Alex was with me in the bedroom, and she checked on you and me every little while. I started to feel more restless and fidgety, and Alex said I must not be able to sleep. The contractions began to get stronger, and I found that moaning softly helped me to get up and over them. At one point, I decided to sit up. I was vocalizing a little more. I felt the contraction, but at the same time I felt a pulling, my cervix opening up for you, and that felt good. I concentrated on that, on opening up to help you out. It was suggested I might like to get into the tub, so I headed to the bathroom and the warm water. As I sat in the tub, Alex read bits of birthing from within to me, which I'd started a few days earlier and never did finish because of your arrival. Alex came and held my hands through several contractions. She got a peanut butter and honey sandwich that I nibbled on some. It was good and helped you and I both to have more energy. I knew after being in the tub for a bit that I wasn't going to birth you there. I got up and decided to sit on the toilet some, where I lost the rest of my mucus plug. The contractions were strong and I moaned a long time through them. I got on my hands and knees at one point. While on my knees, I started to hear rushing in my ears, and Charlie had me go back to the bedroom, where it stopped. After a little while, I got up and walked some, but I didn't like being upright and ended up going back to the bedroom. I sat on the bed some more, and I remember that someone would take my hands during the contractions as I began to moan. I think it was Lisa. Shortly after getting back to the bedroom, I had my first internal check. I was eight centimeters and stretchy to complete. What a relief. Charlie said that she thought you were posterior, meaning your spine was against mine. We didn't want that, so I got up on hands and knees to try and get you to turn. I had a stack of pillows in front of me that I propped myself on and I rocked back and forth. The movement felt good. I started talking to you, asking you to come, telling you that I wanted to meet you. I was starting to get tired. I felt queasy, too. I kept coughing and my stomach got more and more upset. I finally threw up. Not pleasant, but I felt better. I continued to work through the contractions, willing you to move down and out. Charlie asked if she could check me again and I said okay. She kept her fingers up during a contraction and I did not like that. It was painful. But she discovered that you had a hand by your face and when she pushed my cervix during the contraction, you pulled your hand down. That was all it took for you to get through my cervix and on your way. I began having pushing contractions instantly. I felt like I was rushing along in a river. It was a powerful and overwhelming feeling. I had the same feeling with Cassidy's birth. Lisa was a true blessing at that time. She was beside me, looking in my eyes and helping me to keep control, to stay on top of those powerful rushing sensations. It felt like forever to me. But in just a few pushes, you were crowning. Alex helped you come into the world, cradling your head and my tissues gently. I remember Tracy and Cassidy being in the room, too, watching your arrival. And though I do not remember it, Tracy took wonderful pictures. You were born with the cord looped a little around your shoulder. 
Perhaps it held your hand by your face while you were inside me. I reached out to help pull you from inside me. My hands were tingling and numb feeling from the effort of birthing you, but I wanted to hold you, my baby. Then in a rush, I had you up on my tummy. You were there. You were beautiful. I was worried because you seemed blue. Charlie suctioned you for just a second and gave you a quick breath and you started right up. You turned pink and you were mine. Wonderful. I lifted up your leg and looked at your tiny body, a tiny boy, a son. Only a few minutes after you were born, Alex and Charlie helped me up to squat and your placenta was born. It was large, the organ that nourished you and gave you life within me. Your placenta was very special. One day I will tell you about it. I settled back down with you and you latched on, the warm flowing into you and the peace flowing over both of us. Cassidy climbed in bed with us to see you. It was wonderful. Welcome to the world, my young warrior, my golden arrow. Okay, that was Asher's birth. And like I said, it helped me uh, help me find internal strength because it was just me and Cassidy at that point. Uh, and the their biological dad was away with the military at that point. So I was alone with Cassidy. And until my birth attendants got there, it was just she and I. But it was really, I just had to rely on myself during that birth. And it taught me a lot about my own strength. And I'm forever grateful for that. And forever grateful for my Asher, who I don't think I mentioned it in the story, but I had had his name picked out since I was in seventh grade. So that was really nice. And I think I'm going to try and squeeze at least Brennan's birth in here too. We'll go a little bit over and maybe I'll do another episode, a couple episodes from now and do the, the next three's birth. But let me go ahead with Brennan's birth today. Brennan's birth at home. The people mentioned Curtis, Cassidy, Asher, and me, and then Charlie, my midwife, Alex, my doula, who was also a midwife by this point, and Lisa, who was also also a midwife by this point, and she was assisting Charlie. Mr. Carl and Miss Shirley are our landlord and his wife. I started having regular, slightly crampy contractions on the 19th, Father's Day. We'd spent the afternoon with Curtis's family. I took a nap and then walked their yard several times. It was around then that my Braxton Hicks got stronger and more frequent. I stayed up late that night and got ranked 10 Wernerst in Final Fantasy XI. I joked that the baby was waiting on it. The morning of the 20th, my due date, the contractions were still coming. I was mostly in denial that it might be anything because I'd had them get strong and frequent a few times before. I was also waiting on a show since I'd, I had had one with Cassidy and Asher, but I never had one with this baby. We made a rushed trip to the grocery store before Curtis had to go to work. The contractions came even while out and about. I decided to call Charlie to let her know, just in case. She asked me to time them for a couple of hours. They were not regular, but still frequent and with a crampy edge. I called Charlie back and told her, and she said if this baby were like Cassidy and Asher, I'd start labor in earnest tonight and have a baby tomorrow. I was very doubtful. We laid down for a nap. I was really delighted that the kids slept longer than usual, and I had my 45-minute relaxation tape and an hour of napping. When we all woke up, I cleaned the house some, and then we went outside. Cassidy and Asher played while I walked laps around them. Right before going outside, Ms. Shirley had called to check on me, and while outside, Mr. Carl drove by and stopped to check on us. 
When we saw them after the baby came, they joked that the walking must have worked. I made baked potatoes for supper, which was very good. At some point in the evening, I talked to Alex again, because she'd been in a store when I first called her. She suggested that I take a shower to relax to see what might happen. She also thought things might kick in with the night. I didn't. But after getting the kids to bed, I sat back and read some of my favorite birth stories from Spiritual Midwifery. I had been trying to take a hint from the book and just be really grateful for my pregnancy and everyone around me. At 38 weeks, I'd been being grateful and thankful and had been having lots of pre-labor signs. But at 39 weeks, I'd gotten uptight and complainy and things had stopped. I realized this Sunday morning... I realized this Sunday morning, and reflecting on that to change began to change my attitude. Then things began to happen again. If there's one book for pregnancy and birth, spiritual midwifery is it. When Curtis got home from patrol, I took my shower. In the warm water, I prayed. I prayed that if this were it, that God would be with us, our birth attendants, our kids, and with me. I braided my hair when I got out of the shower because I knew I wouldn't want it in the way during heavy labor. I read a little in a novel before bed, and then went to try and sleep. I don't think I really slept. The cramping was worse, and I sort of drifted off between them, but I didn't really sleep. Around midnight, I went to the recliner and had the idea to time the contractions. They were around 5 minutes apart and 45 seconds each. I started to have the runs and kept having to go to the bathroom. I decided to call Charlie. I had to wake Curtis to dial the number because every time I tried I had to go to the bathroom. Charlie said she was on the way, and I called Alex. I spent the time between calling them, around 1 a.m., and Alex arriving, going back and forth from the recliner to the bathroom. Alex arrived around 2.45 a.m., and after that my sense of time is gone. Alex checked my vitals and the babies and got Curtis working on the pool. She got clean sheets on the bed two sets with a plastic sheet between them, and while she did this, I prowled around the front of the house holding Chambers. Chambers is a stuffed dog that normally stays in our bedroom. He's comforting for me. I'd stop and lean on something with each contraction. I liked the bathroom counter the best because it was just the right height to put my hands on and bear down against. When Alex got the bed done and got the birth supplies ready, I went back to the bed some contractions I laid on my side and some I wanted to be sitting upright for. Alex rubbed my legs during some. I really liked that. Lisa arrived at some point. I had declined an internal before Lisa arrived, but after she got there I had Alex do a check. I was 6-7 to seven centimeters and stretchy. I'm not sure how, but I ended up in the bathroom sometime laboring on the toilet. Lisa was mainly with me. Curtis was wrangling with the hose hookup for the tub for a little while, and we thought he might not get it, so Alex scrubbed our bathtub. Unlike with Cassidy's and Asher's labors, I did not like laboring on the toilet and really wanted to be in the water. I was so happy when the hose and washer hookups were done and the tub got filled. Asher woke up just before I got in the tub. The water was so nice to get in, the weight of my belly gone immediately. We had the pool in the kitchen, the only place in the house big enough for it. The light in the kitchen was off, but the bathroom light was on, so it was nice and dark in the kitchen with a little glow from the bathroom. Time was totally gone at this point, and I was in a very surreal place. I think between contractions, I basically slept leaning forward against the tub.
I remember telling Curtis I love you a time or two and asking him for water. I'd hold his hands and sit up and moan through each contraction. Charlie got here while I was in the tub. She told me that the moon was huge and really low and red, and that it was a good night for a birthing. Cassidy woke up while I was in the tub. Asher has a little doll baby boy named Baby Cal, who got dumped in the water. I remember thinking that funny. When the kids started splashing the water with their hands, Alex took them to their room to play because I didn't like the splashing. Charlie asked to check me and I was still six to seven centimeters. She thought that was strange and had me lean back while she stayed up by my cervix during a contraction. It was excruciating. But that position let her help the baby's head drop all the way against my cervix, and like with Asher's birth, I was instantly ten centimeters. I don't know why my babies like to stay way up there. The pushing contractions began immediately. They were not so overwhelming in the water as with Cassidy and Asher, but I still didn't like pushing. It was very strong, so powerful and irresistible. I just looked at Charlie during the contractions. She talked me through each one, and I'm so grateful for that. I had five to six pushing contractions and then felt a pop as my water broke. I must have looked surprised because Charlie asked if my water had broke. She said to lean back, and it seemed impossible to lean back. Curtis held me in a squat while I pushed. Alex brought Cassidy and Asher out to watch. They sat on a chair beside the tub. The baby's head was already crowning. There was no sting or ring of fire, but there was an intense stretching, and I said it hurts over and over, but I just said it like a mantra or something. It felt so slow, but it was really only a minute after my water broke that the head crowned and was born. I had to wait for another contraction to pull out, push out his little barrel chest, and I was impatient because I'd thought the rest of him would just slide out. Charlie helped me put my hands on him and pull him up to my chest. I was so happy to finally hold my baby. I just rested and looked at him. Cassidy was saying, It's new baby! So wonderful. We sat for a few minutes while we looked at him and confirmed that he was indeed a he. Curtis took him and the ladies helped me up into the bed. I held him a little longer then started cramping. I pushed a couple times but the placenta didn't want to come. So Curtis held the baby again and I squatted over the bed and delivered the placenta into a bowl. I was relieved to sit back down. I took the baby again and we decided to call him Brennan Paul. We couldn't decide which name should be first, but in the end we thought Brennan sounded right first by looking at him. He dozed on my chest for about an hour and then decided to nurse. I could tell he wanted to because he started licking around. It was so sweet. He latched right on and has been nursing like a champ since then. We got his newborn check done a little later, called family, then slept the morning away. I'm so happy now. It was really amazing to have a dawn birth and to welcome our little summer baby, our Brennan Paul. Okay, so I'm almost at 40 minutes now, so I'm not going to go on because I've got three more. But, um, but the next three... The first three were really a, a learning experience for me, and we were in a different place. Once we got to the to babies number four, five, and six, we'd moved to Michigan, and uh, and I'd obviously met Scott. Scott and I had gotten married, and we had decided that we wanted to have more babies. And so things were really different at that point, but I feel like the first three births really taught me so much, and 
I like it because I, sh- I, in their birth stories, I shared how wonderful it was and also some of my doubts, like you heard me talk about pushing contractions and why did my baby stay up there. And as I matured through birthing my babies, and if I manage to share my next three birth stories at some point, you'll hear that things were very different for me with the fourth, fifth, and sixth babies and kind of how I came into my own as a birthing woman and how I was able to just sit back and trust birth and pretty much let my body do everything without all the worry. It's just, an it's amazing to me to think back about their births. And I love reading the stories because it takes me back to that time and the joy that I felt with them. And it's just wonderful. And today is also a really special day for me to read their stories and to think about them because today is actually the three-year anniversary of Scott adopting our three big kids. And so it's a that was kind of a, a wonderful little birth story there too. But I won't keep rambling I don't I might do a normal topic two weeks from now and then two weeks after that, so two episodes from now, maybe I'll do Galen and Honor and Corwin's birth. But remember that this week we are celebrating Birth Story Week over at naturalbirthandbabycare.com if you're listening to this live this week. And you can read the birth stories. All of my baby's birth stories are there and then hundreds of other birth stories. And they're all organized by either natural hospital birth, natural home birth, birth center birth, unassisted births are in a category of their own. And water births are also, you can easily get to the water births in each category too. So you can see those. And there's also a link on the birth stories page. Just go to naturalbirthandbabycare.com slash birth hyphen stories dot html. Or you can just click uh, where you see pregnancy and birth at the top of the page. There's a drop down and you can just click on birth stories in there. And there's a place for you to submit your birth story. If you'd like to share your natural birth story, home hospital birth center unassisted, I would love to hear it. And if anybody's interested maybe in being interviewed about your birth story and what you learned and how that was special for you or birth stories, that would be fun too. So you could contact me and let me know that or submit your birth story and just make a note that you might like to be on the podcast. That would be fabulous. But anyways, now I'm definitely feeling very very much like reminiscing about my baby's births. So I'll let you go because this podcast is getting long. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave me a rating on iTunes or in Stitcher and I, because it really means a lot to me to see those ratings and it helps other moms and dads see the podcast because the more ratings I get, the higher up it is in the rankings and the more moms and dads get exposed to natural birth, to conscious and intentional parenting. And that's really important and it's a good way to help make a difference by exposing more moms and dads to this information. And I just want to thank you for all the blessings. You guys email me all the time and you often say, I I found you through the podcast and that blesses me so much and I just want to thank you for that, for the blessings that you give my family and thank you for letting my family bless your family have a great day thanks for listening to the birth baby and life podcast with Kristen burgess for great resources and tons more info visit www.birthbabylife.com visit www.birthbabylife.com